Mark Anthony Solis died on Tuesday at 37 years old. He was not sick. He wasn't in an accident of any kind. He died by lethal injection at the Texas State Penitentiary in Huntsville for murdering a woman while on a crime spree in 2010. His last words as the lethal dose of drugs entered his body was to the family of the woman he killed. He turned his face to them and said, I hope y'all forgive me. Solis was glad that the family of Nancy Weatherly, whose life he took almost a decade ago, was present at his death. He said, I'm glad I got a chance to talk to y'all. After speaking to the hurt and pain he caused, he spoke to his own inner transformation and finally said, I am at peace and I go with a humble heart. There is no doubt that Solis did a terrible thing when he killed Weatherly, but his words as he died, as I read this week in the Skagit Valley Herald, they struck a chord in me. Solis had an IQ just five points higher than what is generally considered to be intellectually disabled. Uh, he had this um, IQ deficiency because of complications from fetal alcohol syndrome, which means that his mother drank so much while she was pregnant that he had irreversible brain damage. I cannot imagine the horrors that he endured as a child that would cause him to live in such a reckless, violent, and hopeless way. And somehow, after that terrible childhood and violent, um, terrible adulthood, he reached peace at the last. In our training for our One Parish, One Prisoner program, which is our um, opportunity to accompany an inmate as they are being released and give them community and a safe place to land when they are released so that they have a chance at not bouncing back into incarceration, we watched a video for our training. Um, this video was created by Homeboy Industries, which is an incredible ministry out of California that does wonderful work in the rehabilitation and healing of folks who have been incarcerated. And in this video, they spoke of the deep trauma that many who turn to crime have experienced as children. Many of folk who are in prisons or have been in prison watched violence in their home from their earliest memories. Witnessing and experiencing domestic violence, sexual assault, and substance abuse. One of the men in this video was speaking about hearing all of these stories at Homeboy Industries, and, and a light bulb went off for him. And he said, these people that have these horrifying childhoods that go from horrifying childhoods to troubled young adulthood to incarceration, I realized that these folks don't need a second chance. They need a first chance. They've never had a chance in their life. I don't know the details of Solis' childhood, but if his mother was drunk most of his pregnancy and he felt hopeless enough to hurt someone to the point of death, I think the missing pieces are probably pretty ugly. I think that he probably got his first chance right as he died to reach out in love and healing to those he hurt 
I hope y'all forgive me. Today we read of the people of Israel messing up big time in the wilderness by creating a golden calf to hope on instead of putting their trust in God. The folk who did this were people who had been, remember, recently liberated from generations of slavery. And they were scared, and they were a new place, in a new place, and they were in a strange predicament where their leader, who they had trusted, took off for weeks. They felt lost, hopeless. They wanted something tangible to hold on to. Maybe you could relate. So they melted down all of their most precious belongings and treasures, and they poured it and formed it into a symbol that they could hope on. It wasn't God. It was just something to try to grasp. God, although frustrated with their lack of faith, ultimately showed them mercy. Because it is, it is who God is and what God does. Today in our epistle, we have the testimony of Paul, of what he once was, which, by the way, is far worse than most most people that populate our prisons today. Because Paul, formerly known as Saul, was a murderer of Christians. He was a prolific killer and stalker of of that new faith community in the first century. He was zealous for the cause of keeping his faith undefiled from this newfangled heresy inspired by Jesus. And he killed to keep it pure. And in his letter, Paul reminds Timothy of this. I was a terrible human being. I did unspeakable things. Things I never should have been forgiven for. But thank God for mercy. Today's gospel is a troubling series of stories about losing and finding it's really, it was really troubling to those listening at the time because there were some things that didn't quite resonate. For one, generally speaking in the first century, there was an acceptable percentage of loss of 15% for a shepherd. So a shepherd would never go find the one if the 99 needed to be kept safe. That would never happen. That would be considered reckless. And yet Jesus likens God to a reckless, lunatic shepherd who would do anything to find one lost sheep. Because to God, there are no acceptable losses. Our God is a a lunatic, reckless, amazing shepherd who will do anything to find and gather lost folk. Then in our gospel, we see a woman who lost a coin. Who would have, that would have been weird for a couple reasons of people listening in the first century. For one, you don't just, like a woman wouldn't have lost a coin and then gone and told her neighbors that she was so irresponsible that she lost a coin. That would not have looked good on, on, um, to her. So she would not probably have gone and proclaimed that. But then in addition to that, she took this coin that she finally found, which was not a quarter or a silver dollar, but worth a whole day's wages. And then she turned it into a party for her neighbors. She spent essentially two coins on a party after losing the one. God is merciful and does not look at 
people as worthless or throwaway, but instead goes the distance that we might be found, and then upon finding us, throws an extravagant party that seems like it's worth more than we are to begin with, of grace and love and forgiveness. What is lost is now found. God gives us our first and forever chance with God's grace. Thank goodness we have this incredible theology as Lutherans of God's grace and love always coming down. There is zero acceptable loss here, y'all. We all belong. We have messed up. You know I'm talking to you. We have put our trust in things that do not deserve our trust. We have acted in violence and selfishness, and we have been utterly lost. But no matter how far we've gone, we are found in God. I wonder on this rainy Sunday morning if y'all believe that about yourselves. If you believe that you are found in God, do you feel found? Do you feel seen by the Most High? I wonder if you can, like Paul, own up to the worst thing you've ever done and believe in God's mercy. Can you, like the ancient wandering Israelites, step away from the concrete things that have given you so much comfort, false comfort, and instead... Trust God with your future. Can you believe that no matter what, God would come to find you just because you are precious, beloved, and that losing you to hopelessness is unacceptable? Do you believe that this morning? Can your heart let it in? I hope that you can, because it is true. You are beloved of God, and God's grace and love and forgiveness always comes down to you. And the really amazing thing about this is that in the economy of God, it doesn't stop there. When we embrace and know this to be true, we are transformed to bring that same message to others. If we have the humility of heart to accept this for ourselves, there is no way we can't imagine it for others. We get to seek others and heal and embrace them in that same grace and love. And a bunch of beloved grace-given folk walking in the world is unstoppable. The suffering in this world is great. Young people are being incarcerated before they even hear the message that they could have value or worth. And only getting their first chances on their deathbeds using their very last words to speak love. Children are in detention at our nation's border. 
They're young people who have never known what it's like to live in peace. They've never slept through the night without bombs or guns going off. There are smart, accomplished elders right this minute who are starting to lose control of their minds as they slide into dementia. Just today, 123 people, precious children of God, will commit suicide because they feel so lost to hopelessness and depression. Scientists tell us that we have about 11 years to combat climate change before we see cataclysmic loss for us, for our children, for our grandchildren, and the incredible world that we get to live in. Things look bleak. The world needs beloved children of God standing up in the hope that we have been given and walking in God's love and grace. My favorite poet, Jan Richardson, entitled this poem, Blessing, about the blessing that we can become when we risk stepping out on that love. She writes, Now more than ever, let us be the ones who will not turn away. Let us be the ones who will go farther into the wreck and deeper into the rubble. Let us be the ones who will enter into the places of devastation beyond belief and despair beyond our imagining. And there let us listen for the spirit that brooded over the formless darkness. And there let us look again for the God who gathered up the chaos and began to create. Let us be the ones who will give ourselves to the work of making again and to the endless beginning of creation. God does not give up on us. We have been embraced by the hope of the God who has no acceptable losses and will stop at nothing to find lost ones. May we be found, beloved children of God, bringing grace, healing, mercy, and love wherever we go. Amen. Let's sing together, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. The words will be on the screen, and it's 